The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. We take you to Washington, D.C. Just a few moments ago, the Treasury Secretary and the uh, Chinese delegation arriving at USTR, if this video rolls, as uh, we have just endured a wild overnight session in futures as we got a bunch of conflicting headlines about U.S.-China trade. What we do know is that the delegation uh, arrives today at USTR for... U.S.-China trade talks, and of course, we have complete coverage uh, this morning. Keep an eye on Europe as well. Ten years back above 1.6 this morning as September CPI runs cool, up 1.7 year on year. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Jim, we know what we went through last night, some of these tape bombs about travel schedules and currency plans, the times with the piece about limiting access to American capital now. We have become uh, hostage to events that are not only totally out of our hands, but I think totally out of the president's hands in the sense that there are different things that come out. We had this mini bear market at one point. The futures were down, equivalent of the S&P down 1.2 percent. And then we came out with a statement that says that maybe we'll do a little business with Huawei. Well, we didn't come out with a statement. The New York Times actually York Times, well, reported citing sources that well, well, uh, there saying, might be non-essential uh, you know, equipment. Well, okay, but you understand what I mean. Is it meaning that there's a, a story floated, let me be more accurate. Yeah. And, and that made it so that the bear market of last night ended. No stocks are even trading. I mean, it's kind of amazing. We, when people started uh, the futures in 1984, did they ever envision a world where there doesn't even have to be stocks trading? This is outright gambling. Yeah. If there's no stocks trading, it's just gambling. Right. And I just feel like that the momentum behind these talks is, is new. I can't believe they're even having talks um, well, after what's gone through this week. Never know. But, never well, know. I mean, you can't listen. Lighthizer, you know, uh, the, the contradictory nature of this sometimes that we see from the administration, whether it's well, Navarro contradicting Kudlow, who's right. contradicting Lighthizer, who's contradicting Mnuchin, who's contradicting the president's tweets. And the, right. it makes it very difficult, one would think, for an investor to try to figure anything out, except that you can go in with some expectation, for example, that maybe tariffs will not be increased to 30 well, percent and maybe the new ones on the 156 billion won't go into effect uh, at 15 percent in right. December. The October 15th, the tariff, that's what's in play. And I think that the market goes up if that's held off. That was the uh, tariff done the bump in peak. Remember, that was in peak yes. where the president was very angry. The problem is, can we just go back to this market? And except the fact that it is just impossible. I mean, Apple, okay? So you sell Apple on the news that the trade talks are going badly. And then Apple uh, removes an app, which is in keeping with all of Apple's uh, ethos of don't endanger people, as actually is endangering policemen, uh, police people. 
Uh, and then do you buy Apple off that? Will you get an upgrade Apple because Apple's doing better with the 11? But then you start thinking if the trade talks go badly. I am, I am describing an in, just an, an unfathomable market where if you have conviction, you're out of your mind. Well, we're in a, a bit of a bottleneck where yes. fundamentals are subject to one binary outcome, right? And that is whether these talks go, quote, well or not. I was working on Bed Bath this morning, and the change there with uh, Tritton, who is really a heavyweight, by the way, comes from Target, CMO of Target, who's going to be the CEO of Bed Bath. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing my work, and I forgot, oh, wait a second, how much is from China? Right. I mean, am I kidding myself? I mean, I know those, the Target has a lot of brands. They know how to source. Maybe he knows how to source like Target. Target has tremendous power to be able to jawbone prices. But I forgot to ask about China. And I realized, well, then, I don't know, a missing piece of the puzzle? Without China a is the missing piece of the puzzle at all times. Yeah, for certainly for companies like that. Well, I mean, China, and I mean, for Apple, which has 52 billion reasons to, uh, as in the dollars that they bring in right. from China every year, to make sure that things continue to be good for them over there. Right. Well, Washington, I want, to, I want people to own Facebook, okay? Zuckerberg in front of Congress. Do you sell Facebook because Zuckerberg's in front of Congress? I, I, a Washington, I ask, I mean, I had Hormel on today, okay? So you would think, is there anything more simple than Hormel? This is the pumpkin spice Hormel, uh, spam. This sold out in seven hours, David. Seven hours. Well, if well, I'm mentioning this because you know what matters to them? China and swine flu. I was because say, the Chinese want hogs. They got a hog shortage. They take uh, numbers down 176 to 180 versus a prior 17185, right? Yeah. Still above uh, the street. I know, but and just uh, how can you not be beleaguered by the idea that there isn't anything? I'll give you a new one. Do you know that tanker rates are up huge for oil to sell? It's spam, David. It's a budgies and spam. What is it? It's like Monty Python. Monty Python. Oh, so, oh, so it has some ingredients besides spam it's in it? It's actually not bad. No, no. Actually, Hormel is very... The Hormel's new burger has the least uh, least of enemies, but... It does have a lot of saturated fat. <laughs> okay. We should go to Kayla, don't you think? Uh, Kayla Tausche's outside USTR. Going to be a very full day of coverage. Kayla, good morning. Good morning, Carl. We just saw the reception outside the U.S. Trade Representative's office of the Vice Premier of China. He was received by the U.S. Trade Representative and the Treasury Secretary. They all put on a good face. It was a congenial greeting, smiles, backpacks, posing for a photo op for the media that is assembled for uh, the most suspenseful moment in this uh, protracted trade dispute on U.S. soil that I can remember. You've had the truces in Buenos Aires and in Osaka, Japan. But this is really uh, a critical moment here in this dispute because you have the specter of tariffs going up next Tuesday. You have the mid-December tariffs on a wide variety of consumer goods that many principals on the U.S. side believe would be incredibly damaging to the economy. And then you have both sides essentially throwing a whole lot of options against the wall via the press to really set a crowded negotiating table and show the other side maybe what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do to telegraph uh, their position ahead of these talks. What we do know, the president hasn't made up his mind. A senior administration official told me that last night, despite all of what we've learned about China's position, about the U.S. position 
in recent days. Uh, David, you mentioned that it's become confusing for investors to follow this back and forth. It's become confusing to reporters as well. Last night when Chinese media was reporting that the delegation could cut its trip early, the White House had no idea. Administration officials were still saying it would go through Friday. There would be a fancy dinner tonight signaling that talks were expected to be robust and go well. And then that changed tune in the space of about an hour with a principal in talks telling CNBC the situation is fluid, whether they extend till tomorrow is an open question. We know the Chinese have played this game before. They have used uh, the idea that they could cut talks early if they're not going well or extend them if they feel they're productive uh, as a way to entice the U.S. side to put more on the table. We'll see what happens today. Uh, of course, we wish we could be a fly on the wall in the negotiating room, uh, but we'll rely on our porting and what information we can get in the meantime. Guys. Kayla, you know, you mentioned, uh, of course, the difficulty in trying to understand what might transpire. You bring up the president as well. I mean, he's a clearly a wild card here because he can make a decision that perhaps is at odds even with the negotiators in the room. Isn't that right? That is exactly right. And it's unclear exactly where his mindset is right now. Three weeks ago, he said he would not do a partial deal. He would not uh, seek agricultural purchases as part of an interim deal. He didn't want a mini deal. Uh, and then just a few days later, he asked his Treasury Secretary, why didn't they buy agriculture? Why didn't we do that again? I thought we wanted them to do that. And a lot of officials that I speak to say that maybe the devil is really in the marketing, how you build this to President Trump, maybe not as a mini deal or an interim deal, if that is what's on the table and what the two sides are discussing, uh, but as a mile marker, as a point of progress, uh, as a way to temporarily pause the dispute and make sure that there are uh, dates in the future where China can be held accountable and ways that the U.S. can retain leverage uh, over China in that way. Uh, so, uh, yes, the marketing, I think, to the president has been a challenge from officials up until this point, and uh, uh, we're, we're not sure at this point exactly where the president is on this, except that he has not made up his mind as of last night. Uh, uh, Kayla, Jim, one of the things that I'm confounded by is that there is a hard core list from Peter Navarro seven things that have to happen before there's going to be any progress with the talks. We know a lot of it has to do with intellectual property, some of it has to do with fentanyl, state-subsidized institutions. Uh, doesn't the president subscribe to the seven deadly sins as a, uh, a reason that if you don't check off one of them, there's not going to be a big deal? He certainly has in the past, Jim, but the question is whether uh, the landscape uh, for the president has changed, whether the uh, agita from the impeachment inquiry, whether the looming election and caucuses in Iowa just a few months away, uh, whether hearing from his agriculture secretary, who has been out on the road in the Midwest at these town halls where farmers are incredibly angry about their dire financial situation, uh, whether those messages are overpowering Navarro's seven deadly sins. Uh, that, that is the question for the president at this point, what he feels the calculus is that he needs to make at this exact moment in time, given the election, given the state of the American economy, and the fact that some of his officials, including Larry Kudlow just last week, said, we're concerned about manufacturing. We don't see a recession in sight, but we're concerned about some of this data. Yeah, Kayla, even as we're speaking to you, and we saw that arrival, uh, South China Morning Post, of course, uh, one of the media outlets that we watch 
in relation to these trade talks as dim prospects for deal uh, as China and U.S. resume talks. Uh, we're going to have to take all of this into consideration as well as your reporting, Kayla, which has been exemplary. We'll come back to you a lot today. Kayla Tausche outside USTR. Of course, the fallout between China and the NBA continues. The Brooklyn Nets are playing the Lakers in Shanghai right now. CCTV and Tencent not airing that preseason game. Part of the backlash against that tweet from Darryl, uh, Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey showing support for protesters in Hong Kong. NBA had planned to hold a post-game briefing. Now says Commissioner Silver and the players would not be made available to the media. China Daily had a graphic of the NBA logo with a bomb in the player's hand rather than a basketball. So that's not going well either. No, I, look, I think that there's a lot of people really on this spot here. I've, I've been I'm very sympathetic to the idea of, say, Coach Atkinson, who is such a terrific guy. The Nets coach. The Nets coach. And then uh, the owner of the Nets. Joe Tsai. So, I mean, if you're in the NFL, we would say, hey, no problem. You can't say anything. Remember, the NFL really has no freedom of speech. It's, reg- it's regulated very tightly. Uh, Adam Silver has rebelled against that. I, I almost feel like the-, the NBA either has to go toward an NFL model or has to say, you know what? We have way too much, uh, too many people who feel that free speech is, uh, is core value. I think that's what he said. Isn't that kind of well, what Mr. Silver said? said we will not week. compromise on yeah. free speech. The, but the owners and don't feel that way. A lot of the owners are willing to compromise. Well, but this is a different league than the NFL, Jim. I mean, you know that. The players have a lot more power here. They've had a lot more partnership, if you can, with ownership than I think is the case in the NFL. So I think that's they, fair to say. Right. It, it is difficult to switch to an NV, they NFL have more, model. They have more power the players than have the a NFL. Lot more power. Yes. That's very true. And the players are, have historically had tremendous uh, things to say. And I just wonder whether it just means that did the Chinese not think it would come? Or are the Chinese panicking over Hong Kong? Are they panicking? Panicking how? What do you well, mean? I mean, panic? does it really matter if the general manager of the Houston Rockets thinks that there should be free speech in Hong Kong? Are they that sh- short-sighted and that temperamental? Uh, I don't think anyone's talking about the notion of to, is a regime threatened by a uh, by Adam Silver? Is he, are they threatened by a thoughtful NBA committee? Is that what that society has become? I mean, think about it. Even the Russians, at their absolute worst, would never be threatened by an NBA commission. I just find this to be a, a, a farce that, 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 that this, this great country, which does, has done so much for its people, is scared, is scared of a player. Can you imagine if LeBron talked? I don't see the repression of free speech in China as being a new thing at all. No, I but think I this think is part of a pattern that's been uh, elevated because of the tensions regarding the two well, countries. I'm, I'm seeing Hong Kong, to endorse Hong Kong has always been an issue. But I just think that had you ever asked any NBA player about the repression in China, maybe they would have said something. Were they all just whistling past this graveyard of repression? That's what I want to know. I mean, at, at the, uh, on the altar of, of sneaker deals? I think there was an uh, expectation yes. that we would sort of export our values along with our sports. Well, yes, and that's the WTO theory, which is, uh, which, by the way, a Peter Navarro thought is, wait, wait a second, wasn't there supposed to be when China joined the Council of Nations that they were going to loosen their any strictures? They've gotten tighter. 
I mean, let's let's understand this. This regime is far different from the previous regime. This regime is hardline in the way that Mao was hardline. Maybe even more hardline than Joe and I. Maybe. You do have a leader for life now. Most well, consolidated a lot, of power. Consolidated yep. a lot of power. Isn't that Maoist? Perhaps. I don't know. Although look, there I think was some opposition. Look, I think that. this is the biggest story out there because I really think, I'm not kidding. I think that the, the Hong Kong story is chronically underplayed in our country. You can't every weekend have a protest. That, it's, it's, without that, an, it's very important, but I can think about any number of other geopolitical which issues. Uh, uh, there's something going on right now what, in Syria that potentially could be. That's not geopolitical. That's not in our marketplace. We, we don't do no. business with the Kurds as much no, as they were our greatest ally in the Middle East until but, about but 48 could, hours of phone call. It could lead to uh, they were great to things that will take up a lot more of our attention. Well, Hopefully I, not. I'm just saying that Hong Kong, as a, that the Chinese communists have not been able to figure out how to do a non Tiananmen Square shutdown of the protesters. And they must be losing face every minute over there. And the South China paper, they can do whatever they want, but they can't seem to stop the protesters. And if I were the Chinese communist government, I'd be saying, we got to shut the protesters down. Before, uh, if we just got new strictures on Muslims being persecuted, what happens if somebody blows up the talks because of Hong Kong, meaning somebody meeting us? What happens? Navarro what? has suggested that Hong Kong's a legitimate framework. He sure has. Talks. He sure has. has. Added in a Pivotal. new element, yeah. without a doubt. You, 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 I, the Kurds is more... I'm glad you mentioned the Kurds. No, but. it's not more. I'm just saying it's another issue that people do have to start thinking about because there are ramifications right. far beyond just Syria that have to do totally. with Iran and Israel and Saudi Arabia. Europe. I mean, no. just think, we still have no response to the Iranian attack on those Saudi oil facilities. Nothing. Uh, Guys, we're going to try to stick to the markets for now. Mad dash after the break, opening bell. There's a ton of research to get to on Apple, as Jim said, Netflix, UNH, uh, Cisco, Kroger. We'll get to that when uh, Squawk on the Street comes back. Dow's down 34 in the pre-market. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently, and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. All right, let's get to a mad dash this morning. We got a lot of stocks to talk about. Let's yes. start it off with uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. Let me set the scene. Um, this stock you and I have been talking about for years as we watch it just decline, decline, decline all the time while they bought back stock. Then an activist finally shows up. Perhaps some would say a little late, but they do remake the board, and now they've got a new chief executive. The activist, uh, chiefly uh, Miss Selman, John Duskin, who's a brilliant guy. I've known John for thirty years. Uh, they have. There's a look at it, by the way. In search, yes. They've been in search of a a CEO. And even just when they just reported, people were saying, like, where's the CEO? David, I think they got the number one CEO you could possibly get. They got a guy named Mark Tritton. I know him. He is the chief merchandise officer for Target. Anyone's been to Target since 2016 sees his work in all the brands. Now, I was earlier said, you know, I'm missing a piece of the puzzle. How badly will Bed Bath be hurt by China? Do you know they sort of sold domestically? So they're the least impacted of retailers. Tritton is known as a guy who can hammer the vendors. So all I mean, well, it's one of the reasons why. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> they, they're the most expensive sourcer. Right. They, they, there's so much money that can be taken out just their supply chain. They've offloaded a lot of the bad inventory. It's going to be a radical change for uh, Bed Bath. One thing they never do is ruin the balance sheet. So, David, this stock is not up enough. Really? So you think there is a future here? Because there are certainly those who believe, you know what, it's just going to be another name that goes into the dustbin of history. Uh, they can get rid of the other uh, the ancillary brands they have. They have uh, raised a lot of cash. They can do sale lease back on their land. But most importantly, David, they wouldn't get Triton. I agree with you. I was very concerned. But they wouldn't get a guy who's that high quality if they really felt. Triton apparently wants to be paid in oodles of stock. The 8K is not out yet. This man wants stocks. The other candidates wanted cash. They wanted up. He wants stock. He wants to be the, no, the man who turned around a dinosaur. By the way, Target would always tell you that this is the principal share donor. They happen to have Targets next to Bed Bath. Watch this situation, David. This is where the activists, I think, have done something constructive and brought in people who can change it. I hear what you say. I have Mickey Drexler on tonight. Yes, he's back with a new uh, brand. And we're going to talk about the mall being dead. But this is a strip mall play. The mall is so dead, it's, it's scary. It's like, you know, the tender corner. It actually is scary. Yeah, we need we'll a corner sequence. And it can be scary. You were in one? Well, there, no, I haven't. I've seen oh my God, it's, They're yeah. abandoned. They're, they're, it's a very strange yeah. thing. Spiders, snakes. I, 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 no, you have to go in, David. It's like Indiana Jones now. Right. When he's in that pit. Yeah. You, you know, it's just like lift. that. It's like, wow, that's a mall for you. But Bed Bath is a, is a strip mall, and I like this. Remember, the man, uh, Tritton, was also at, at Nordstrom before. A lot of people feel he did a great job at Nordstrom. David, I think that this is a buy, and I think it can go back to at least where it was even just a year ago. This was a brilliant move, and I wish him well. All right. Some value-added info from Jim there, particularly that uh, part about the stock and the yet-to-be-filed 8K. we got a lot more stocks to watch for you this morning, and a lot more Squawk on the Street coming back right after this. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Market's going to be hypersensitive to tape doms today, especially with the Chinese delegation now at the USTR office in Washington. Futures hugging the flat line pretty closely here. Opening bells in about five minutes. You're watching CNBC Squawk on the Street, live from the financial capital of the world. The opening bell in two minutes on this 
very important Thursday uh, as trade talks begin. Uh, two sides trying to end a five-month standoff. Uh, Xinhua, uh, one of the Chinese wire services now, has a headline from the vice premier saying China is willing to reach agreement on matters that both sides care about and to prevent friction from further escalation. All of these things have probably been in the works, the rollout of these headlines. Right, but, but does this say if you play tough with the Chinese and blacklist enough companies, do they really come to the table, which is something that the hardliners have been saying? I've been watching shipping rates soar ever since we put Costco, not the right Costco, but the wrong Costco, on a restricted list. Uh, it, it, it's a very typical thing about what's happened. Out of nowhere, we blacklist a shipping company. Uh, these out of nowheres, must, but I think to some degree, really are shocking China, which is so used to compliance. And instead, we just do religious freedom one day, and then we shipping another day, and then we do Huawei another Entity day. List, yep. And it, and I just think visas. that China, yes, visas. I think the Chinese are kind of baffled. Uh, and I don't blame them for being baffled because I think that even the trade people at the White House fight every day. They fight every day about what's right. Uh, amongst themselves. Amongst themselves. And the president obviously is the ultimate arbiter. And I think the president thinks that the American people, his read of it, they don't like giants. So they can be tough. And the only people who have really squawked about it, it's amazing how little squawking there's been, are some of the farmers. And a lot of it is, by the way, none of the watch, the Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, Home Depot, the prices have not gone up anything to speak. Uh, to Jim's point, uh, CPI unchanged yep. for the month. Um, Apparel prices fell. Yes, they fell. That's, Four tenths that's month exactly month. what I'm talking about. Um, the tariffs, they might feed in later in the fall, but no sign of it. Tremendous amount of excess merchandise throughout the chain from failed retailers. And then you go back and think, well, what business should have skyrocketed in price? Steel. But steel has fallen through the floor. So a lot of the economist models have completely gone awry. Anybody who said that these are inflationary, of which they have been historically, is proven to be wrong empirically. There's the I, opening bell. Uh, at the big board, it's Blodex, a multinational bank uh, headquartered in Panama, 40th anniversary. At the NASDAQ, a BioNTech, a biotech focused on immunotherapies to treat cancer. Um, got a ton of calls on big names here this morning, Jim. Uh, Goldman cutting Cisco is just oh, one. Oh, that was brutal. Now, my travel trust owns it. Cisco the last quarter was disappointing. They're talking about exactly what I've been talking about, why you need to cut rates, which is you have slowing enterprise spending. Uh, also, there's slowing telco spending. And what happens with in that world is that you just think that Cisco is going to have to, will miss again or guide down. Chuck Robbins has watched this stock go from 58 to 45. It now yields 3%. They've got a big buyback. They have lower raw costs. They're only 2% to China. The 2% did end up hurting them last time. I don't know. Is this an early call with the stock at 13 times earnings? I don't think it's early. Do I think it can go to 43? You want to play that rope-a-dope game? I don't want to sell Cisco at 45 and buy it back at 43. Well, Gold, said, Goldman's larger thesis is that enterprise spending intentions continue to weaken. Yeah. Morgan Stanley had the, almost the exact same piece yesterday. It's true. Um, and you it's think true. it's because the cost of capital is too high? Well, you think I that's think what these there's a gen- well, No, I just think there's a general ennui. Uh, people are withholding orders because of the trade situation. But also, uh, the spending for telcos worldwide seems to have been reduced. David and I talk a lot about ATT. If you're ATT, you're not out there opening your checkbook, buying a lot of equipment. 
historically a big customer. You're keeping, right. I mean, CapEx is still where they plan. They haven't rolled it back, but you're not expanding it. But there's always a belief that when ATT, when when Timo, well, where is the Timo Sprint dealers? AG still fighting it? Well, actually, now that you mention it, you might as well talk about it. Mississippi has gone to the to the other side, so to speak, in support now of the transaction. The AG there is a Democrat, so that's not kind of interesting. Remember, Florida also switched sides, but you do have a potential trial planned in New York in December for the states that are opposed to the union of T-Mobile and Sprint. Um, and you do have uh, a date towards the end of this month where you need to have the merger agreement extended yet again. That is expected to be the case, oh. even though there have been some rumors to the contrary out there. Um, but uh, there may be some more states that join, but it's still far from clear that that's going to be enough to stop the procession of states that are opposed to the government's um, agreement to allow the deal to move ahead. Uh, and... Um, it is taking a long time, as you point out, Jim. There is a possibility that the two companies could choose to close the deal prior right. to even the right. trial itself. In the meantime, T-Mobile um, has done states, so well. You know, and it depends who you talk to in terms of right. what, how people, how many people believe the states really have an opportunity here that to to stop the deal on antitrust grounds. It's, it's highly unique uh, uh, seeing the DOJ come to an agreement on a deal uh, and and get the the various things it wants from the parties involved to potentially allow competition to be fostered and then have states oppose it. But we're in a somewhat unique time politically in this country. Well, David, I want to talk about the old conservatives were always pro-states' states rights. Now, that was done, I think, a lot of it because of, um, of a bias, um, of prejudice. Yeah. Uh, the states are playing a role where I think they're so out of the lick but you know, how many states are investigating Facebook? A lot. But what do they know? 40, I think it's 48. Isn't it 48 or something? What do they know? It includes Puerto Rico, though. So there's. Yeah. Well, but I mean, the state attorney general, they should stick to regulating charities. I mean, honestly, God, they should, David, we have a Justice Department that, like it or not, is the ultimate arbor. And we don't yes, need state's attorneys. Back to larger questions about people questioning the, the, the Justice Department overall. and whether it's doing the bidding of the president and attacking his enemies. That's why we talk so often about how when you go after the rule of law, you really do. Have you read Deep State yet? I haven't. This is uh, Pulitzer Prize winning writer Jim Stewart. I just got the book last night. It's about this whole concept of the federal government is is right. Is a swamp on, on Tuesday. Yep. Talking and, about and, and it all, you know, if you're going to discredit the Justice Department in the vacuum, states fill it in. It's just that if anybody, so, I mean, I remember when Elliot Spitzer, wow, there you go. We do end up with unique situations. Yeah, when he like was attorney, one, he did it. He wanted to regulate federal. Makes it even more difficult for investors to try to figure out the it's outcome. Difficult for not businesses. to mention the companies involved. In this case, T-Mobile right. and Sprint, which have been waiting a long time to try to get their deal to obviously uh, get together. And how about approved. federal courts and state um, courts? About but that Johnson Johnson Risperdal well, uh, victory the, the other way, day for the plaintiffs. Speaking of courts, guys, it's worth worth revisiting the old PG&E uh, saga oh, yeah, sub- um, and trying to explain to people what's going on there, which I'll try to do right now. We'll even do it in our favor report. Um, the stock is down 28%. You'll take a look at that. Uh, and you may say, well, why is that happening? 
Well, it has to do with the decision by the judge the, uh, presiding over the bankruptcy right now to open the door to basically a competition in terms of plans to take the company out of bankruptcy. Uh, originally, uh, the company's plan was the one that was being focused on solely, uh, but the judge has now uh, allowed the U.S. Bankruptcy Court in San Francisco to uh, a rival plan, to allow a rival plan backed by Elliott Management, the large hedge fund, which is in, and is there ever something they're not involved with? No. Um, and essentially, to, to put this as simply as possible, one plan would have given the equity holders a lot more uh, at the end of bankruptcy. The other proposed by Elliott, not so much. In fact, very, very little. This all goes back to the judge's desire to return as much money as possible to the claimants here uh, in the case. Uh, and those claimants... Um, were people who obviously suffered as a result of the various fires that PG&E is blamed for. Not the Tubbs fire, by the way, but some of the other fires that you well know. Um, those claimants have until the 21st to put in their claims. By the way, coming well below what had been anticipated. There had been some thought you might see as much as 100,000 separate claims. It's running closer to around 30. October 21st is the bar on that. Uh, that's the deadline, essentially. But regardless, the judge wants as much money as possible to go to those claimants. Under the Elliott plan that is uh, proposed, you'd have as much as $13.5 billion that would be left for the claimants. The current proposal by the company, which would leave more for the equity holders, is about $8.5 billion or so to the claimants. And so this is going to go on for a while. There's a lot to come between now and then in terms of even assessing the damages from the fires uh, and uh, and figuring that out, but to the extent the judge wants more money for the claimants, well, certainly, even if he does eventually decide that the company's plan is the better one, it would seem this decision to put more pressure on them to return more, therefore take more out of right. the equity. And so that's where we stand right now. And again, David, why would a judge a not do this? Why would a judge say, listen, you who just have completely run this utility well, to the ground, you have every right to make you, your next plan? You know, you do want to make sure that the company is on good financial footing when it emerges from bankruptcy. Right. Uh, so they know, have more. An Elliott plan essentially would 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 uh, would cause a change in control, which brings up a lot of other issues as well, um, uh, and and so forces certain things that are not necessarily in the best. You know, you're talking about the largest utility, which, no, by the way, right now is cutting power to what 800,000 different that homes. Is, oh, in the LA state of California has a crazy piece to about prevent fire. Stores, fl flower shops can't keep their flowers fresh. Yeah. Hospitals going to backup generators. I mean, the public backlash from the, the rolling brownouts, blackouts, yeah. And this all goes back to, of course, this very issue where you have the state's largest utility in bankruptcy, again, trying to figure out what the damages are ultimately going to be, how many claimants are going to be there, and how large the, the pool can be that's available to those claimants. So we'll watch it, but again, resulting in a 30% drop in the market value. We've remarked many times on the equity recovery value here expected to be fairly high today, given this judge's decision to give uh, equal footing almost to the Elliott plan. Uh, that is resulting in a significantly uh, lowered expectation for so the recovery value. So Venezuela, Iraq, California, the three states that have power problems, three countries. Argentina, too. Yes, so however, it, so California, California joins Argentina. is not from a power uh, production. Well, problem. those other states, it's all political, right? This I mean, is they, not political. They're cutting the power because... Okay, so the, what, they, they don't, don't have the resources to... of Venezuela? 
you know, what was the number to, to trim all the trees? A hundred, some crazy number that it would cost Get to actually eliminate there. all the, the, the risk of fire around their transport. Well, did you ever see what the trees look like after they're finished? I mean, it's a travesty. But they, California wanted nice looking trees. On our properties, I mean, they come in and it's like they're salami slicers. Or they come in a machete. It's very hard to get to all those trees. And uh, I like it, it a good poses an tree. enormous risk. And the last thing you want is another devastating fire of the no, world. No, I know. Those, but this is just were, this is state paradise. Fifth, talk to people in Paradise, California. One fifth of the country is California. And California is on the firing line from the president. Firing line in terms of electricity. I mean, and yet people don't leave. They stay. Budget's pretty good there. It's, uh, they are it's running a happy. surplus thanks people, to incredible taxes. People yeah. are happy They have there. a surplus. By the way, when, when Mark Benioff's book around. comes out, it's a great Trailblazer, state. it's an incredible state. There are people who actually fought the homeless tax. I, I, you know, just rich people who didn't want a homeless ta- you know, a tax. They didn't want to put a tax on the homeless. I think the rich wanted a tax on the homeless. Can you imagine that? How much money would that make? A homeless tax. On the homeless. Rich people. They wanted to tax the homeless? Rich people. No, the rich people, a lot of rich people fought. Yes. Benny Offs. Benny Off, Dorsey, the famous showdown. Yes. I don't know whether Dorsey regrets that. Uh, I think that still they've been bottling up that money. It hasn't been able to do that much. When Mark comes on next week, and we're, I, we're, it's great that we have him because the book is book's hotter than you think in terms of these books that come out. Um, guys, it's rare that you see a 100% increase in a company's stock price as a result of a deal. But if we do see it, it's most biotech often usually. in biotech. Yeah. Exactly. And it is the case this morning. Raw Pharmaceuticals is getting bought for 48 bucks a share, all cash, uh, by UCB. Isn't that something? It is something. Take a look at this. Yeah, well, how's your, how's your index fund doing, Mr. Index Brainwashers? R-A-R-X. This does happen sometimes. It is a 93% premium to the 30-day volume-weighted average of the stock. As you can see, it's 100% premium or more to where it was trading yesterday. Um, they uh, are. They have a proprietary peptide chemistry platform that develops novel therapeutics for the treatment of serious diseases caused by excessive or uncontrolled activation of the complement system. That's a critical component of the innate immune system. And so it's uh, synthetic macrocyclic peptides that they have. All said and done, they've got a, a, something in phase three for myasthenia uh, gravis. Well, I mean, look, this has been the way that Glaxo has boosted. Glaxo bought a, a biotech for much more than it was selling for. Novartis, same thing. This is where the all of the uh, of the R&D is really done. It's like I was thinking, Carl, when you talked about the NASDAQ company that rang the bell. It's like these companies, they are the ultimate dice rolls. Uh, they, but when they pay off, it is unbelievable. I keep believing, I look at Regeneron, how stalled it is. Biomarin, people are talking to me about an activist wanting to come in. And Biomarin. Regeneron has been Am- stalled, huh? Yes. Len Schleifer. Amgen, Len's got a lot of things going, but so doesn't matter. Amgen has been a terrible performer. So the big biotechs have been just hell. Bristol-Myers bought Celgene, believing that Celgene was right up the undervalued. Remember, Bristol-Myers keeps going up. Yep. I think Bristol-Myers is a stock to own, and it's going to continue to go higher, and Dr. Caforio is doing some good things. And by the way, the cheapest drug stock, AbbVie. AbbVie. A lot of people saying Allergan. My chapel's just buying Allergan. A lot of people saying that Allergan was so undermanaged that when AbbVie comes in, they can take you. There's a pill that they have migraine sufferers as the spokesman for the American Migraine Foundation. They have a pill they have for acute migraine. There's never been a pill. 
you take you get a migraine, boom, you take the pill, it goes away. That's going to be unbelievable. That could be the big one of the biggest drugs ever. And that need that's what AbbVie needs to replace one of the biggest drugs ever. It is the Ymir. biggest, right? Ymir. Yeah. Ymir is huge. Well, one of the components, healthcare, that did see some increases in inflation yes. uh, this month, obviously. The Democrats have never really been against biotech making the big money. That was always orphan oh, drugs. Yellen. It was Yellen. Yellen. Uh, Yellen. She didn't like biotech. playing the biotechs. <laughs> uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren, I, I really, there's a very good piece today about Senator Warren uh, in the journal about what she's, uh, what our life would be like with her. Uh, would be different is the way I would describe it. But uh, they, she's not dropping single payer. She loves single payer. And that would change a lot of our lives. A uh, lot of news on consumer names. Uh, obviously, Kroger today. Jeffries goes to hold oh, from a buy. Shocker. Jim talked to Hormel CEO before the show and talked about a number of topics, including interest in plant-based foods and their global growth outlook. Take a listen. And everybody knows what's happening with plant-based proteins. Um, that was a trend that we saw coming. Right. Uh, we had actually partnered with another company. And then when the, the IPO market hit, right. that partner said, you know what, we want to try and go it alone. So instead of buying, we had to build. And we put our team in motion. And we got it from ideation to market in 8 to 10 weeks. Absolutely incredible. Now, your company has uh, driven aristocrat, has done so much for shareholders. And yet here's uh, beyond. Beyond me, it's beyond belief when I think about it. The valuation of just buried in your company of happy little plants and really the best of this, of the organic uh, uh, protein base versus a company that really has, uh, you would say, a loaded with chemicals burger. I mean, how, how can the Wall Street, how can the people at home justify what Hormel, Hormel's price is versus beyond? Yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? I mean, it's all about the consumer. Right. And so there's no arguing that the consumer is more curious about plants than they ever have been. Right. And so, you know, when it comes to valuation of the company, all we can worry about is ourselves. And it's right. about how do we grow our business organically, how do we innovate, and how do we continue to make disciplined acquisitions. Now, it would seem to me that uh, you've got more runway to be global than almost all of the multi-billion dollar food companies I follow. Is this your chance to do it? Yeah, and we have been doing it. It's just, you know, it hasn't accelerated as quickly as we like. We've got a good business in China that's focused on the China market. Two years ago, we made a small investment in Brazil to learn about that market. The business is doing well, and we're getting the learnings to to have a platform approach to the business. But there's going to be other opportunities for us to become even more global over time. Have you guys had this? Have you had the new pumpkin spice? It's sold, it's sold out in seven. To me, please. There you go. This sold out in seven hours. The whole thing. You can't get it. It's 25 bucks. 25 bucks on eBay. And I've got one. And you know what? It's darn good. And that's because it's... What? What? I'm what are you guys showing a close-up of you eating it. It's just, what the hell? What do you got? It could be a wide shot and it would still be well, right. Yeah, what just, do you got? Maybe just out of my nice soup. Anyway, one thing that is really Is that how is, you eat Spam, by the way? Just right out of the well, thing? usually have it with a fork. What's that called? A tub? David, you can eat any way you want. A canister. Let me give you some spam juice. It's always underrated. You should see the face of of. Uh, of right, it's of great in your coffee. Right Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen to me. Mix it in with your the, with your Starbucks the, pumpkin spice. Why not? One's better than the other. Um, Happy Little Plants is a new line that they have. I think that they have fewer chemicals in their plant-based burger. And by the way, they don't want to be a like a burger. They want their own thing. 
but I think a lot of us are kind of more into, like, why do I want a faux burger? How about a delicious-tasting thing that is in the shape of a burger? Or, David, this, by the way, can be eaten with pens. You don't have to wait for a fork. Man, this is like the food channel over here. He's eating his spam with, yeah. a, with a pen. Let's get Martha Stewart on. I think I, I can make burgers with this. I can make... I can make uh, spaghetti, meatballs. You can catch Jim's full interview with Disney uh, tonight on Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Let's get to the bond pits. Rick Santelli at the CME Group has a 10-year yield, Rick, uh, close to the highs of the month. Yes, they are. And maybe the reasons might be a little bit surprising. I know they're surprising to me. Look at a 24-hour chart of 10s. Carl's exactly right. Here we are, above 160. But what is the catalyst? Yes, I know that there's some positive headlines on China trade. Who knows how that's going to turn out? One thing I can tell you, none of the experts, none of the previous ambassadors, none of the previous negotiators have any idea how this is going to turn out. But the market grapples with every headline. But one thing we do know, if we look overseas, boon deals have been doing something special for a while. Look at a 24-hour chart of the 10-year boon over there. Okay, You see how much more aggressive that chart looks? All right, let's go back to our 10s. Let's start in early July. We had a lot of agita right after early July, but things turned around. Look at our 10s. Pretty nice formation. We're starting to distance ourselves from the cycle low close of around 146. Now look at Boone's. Their cycle low close, and their all-time low closes in that chart at minus 71. Now we're on the north side, minus 50, and they're about three-and-a-half-week high yield. But really, it looks as though they are leading. And how can we prove they are leading? Let's look at tens minus boons from July 1st. You can see how that spread continues to narrow roughly at a 20-month low. I've been talking about this. So what's going on in Europe? We all thought that when Lagarde was going to come in, that it would be different but still easy policy. There's a lot of things she's saying that don't re- necessarily represent being in love with Draghi's policy aiming towards fiscal. Good for you, Christine, and the market realizes it. Carl, David, Jim, back to you. All right, Rick. We'll see you in a bit. Uh, meantime, still to come, the NFL, China, and a new media venture. We're going to discuss all of that with Jacksonville Jaguars owner uh, Shad Khan and former Congressman J.C. Watts getting some headlines uh, from the Chinese delegation telling uh, uh, wires that they have come with true sincerity. Uh, Dow's up 100 points. We're going to watch all these uh, headlines all day long. We're back in a minute. President tweets he'll meet with the Chinese vice premier tomorrow. Our Kayla Tao, she's watching all the trade news in D.C. Kayla. Carl, that news confirms the fact that the leaks last night about China leaving early were in fact a threat from the Chinese negotiators, essentially trying to up the ante for the U.S. as the two sides meet behind closed doors today. President Trump has met with the vice premier in the Oval Office on three of the four previous rounds here in Washington. On each of those occasions, there was a big agricultural purchase announced. Don't know yet what exactly is on tap for that meeting tomorrow, but the president is confirming he will meet with the vice premier tomorrow at the White House. Uh, Kayla, thanks. Jim, he says um, he thinks the Chinese want a deal, but do I in his tweet? He's he's become totally Hamlet. He was a Shakespeare fan, president. To be or not to be? That is is the the question. Tariff question. Yeah. 
Without a doubt. I don't. I'm worth hard on this every day. You still believe delaying the October 15 tariffs That's is it. the key? That's a big win. Big win for the president. We can get that. And big win for the Chinese. Big win for the president because what it says is, hey, look, we found a level. Uh, they know we're going to go higher, but we don't have to take them down. See, remember what he said? He said, if I take them up to 25, that's when we can really start negotiating. The threat to, to 30 may have made them have different, you know, second thoughts. They don't want 30. They have to devalue the currency again if they do. Well, that's the, maybe the one explanation for why these tariffs are not showing up in final it's inflation. It's a very big one, that, and the, and the, the uh, rapid switch away uh, from where stuff is sur- sourced is really happening and working. Stickier, a stickier yes, process. Yes, it is. You know, as things go on, people can move. I, I caution companies, be careful when you move to Vietnam. If it's just a sham and it's just the Chinese again, it's not going to work. It has to be independent. There's they want Indonesia. A lot, of, a lot of raw source material that is still sourced in China. Yeah. Uh, it makes its way to They Vietnam. want Indonesia. No. Jim, so you got Hormel tonight and... Mm, just a second. <laughs> David, you, have, you want to lick this pen? It's got I, I, some I, of the pumpkin spice. I really don't. No, thank you. Well, thank you're you missing out on all the action. Yeah, Better sure. than Dairy Queen pumpkin. Better than, Okay, so uh, Mickey Drexler, also the legendary Mickey Drexler, with the new clothes, clothesline, Alex Mill. Uh, quality clothes, not just the, the usual landfill stuff. I can't wait to speak to Mickey. Mickey is still the godfather of the industry. I'm not going to bring the spam to Mickey. You know, he probably has his own collection. He'll work it off at SoulCycle. I yes, think. exactly. Right. Uh, the godfather of Soul. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older like a family vacation or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.